Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then will I ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Uh, This psalm falls into a, a organizational thing uh, that's there's a prayer for protection the first two verses and uh, the next three verses an expression of confidence the next two verses is a prayer of protection and the last verse is an expression of confidence and so I want to I want to talk about have you ever felt far from God do you do you have this memory when it was, or maybe you're there now, when nothing worked well spiritually? Have you ever had that feeling? That really stinks. We are serious about the things of God. We have given our life to Him. Some of us have even stopped doing some things that we like to do, but we perceive from Scripture that they're wrong and we quit them and that's called repentance, by the way, uh, the quitting part. And so we're all, we're all into this, and uh, we're serious about this. This is, this is not a, a club to us. Uh, Sunday morning and Wednesday night and the life groups and all of the other times that we meet, uh, it's not about, well, uh, you know, i got to do my civic duty or whatever we would say. It, this is our life. And if the the Lord is not the center of your life and you don't live for him, there is a really wonderful step that you can take to make him the center of your life and everything else will get better and it will begin to get in place. If you put God first, it's, it's easier then to love your spouse if you're married the way you ought to and be the parent to your kids that you ought to be or the, the, the child of your parents that you ought to be, and so forth. If you love the Lord with all of your heart and get into the Scripture, you will find out that work is not a curse, but a blessing from God. Now, when sin came in, this work gets kind of a mixed uh, reaping. Let me, let me stay with that figure because... Uh, in actuality, the ground was cursed, not work. Uh, Adam and Eve had worked the garden. They had taken care of the garden. All of the animals had been named. This was, uh, these people were hard workers, but when the day was over, they, everything that they needed came to them, and they were able to rest. They hung out with God Almighty at the end of their day. When sin came, God cursed the ground so that it would bring forth thorns 
or weeds, as well as food. So our work is now mixed, but it is from God, and it is for our good, and it is a blessing. And if your job is just killing you, I would be glad to get involved a little bit with you about that and see if I might coach you how to relate to those people on the job and how to relate to yourself and to the Lord in this kind of stress because stress on the job really does color our world the wrong the wrong color and I uh, if if you're in trouble on the job inside yourself and haven't been able to get that sorted out let me help you sort that out that that can be sorted out there is an answer and we might have to pray for the death of your boss or whatever but we'll We'll get this sorted out, and uh, uh, I'll be glad to help you with that. Uh, you you can do the act. You can actually pull the trigger, but I I'll be involved. Uh, I don't think we have any guests today. I can't see very well with these lights in my face, but if you're a guest, <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. <clears throat> So let's when you when you feel far from God, when when things are really pressing you, the first act that you need to do is pray for protection. The psalmist calls to the Lord from the ends of the earth. He felt um, he felt separated, and and this, by the way, in they tell me I don't do Hebrew. Uh, but they tell me that in the structure of this sentence that this not only can be from the ends of the earth, it can also be like from the next country, but very far away from the sanctuary of God, because these Jews saw Mount Moriah uh, in Jerusalem where the temple sat as the center of where things happened where they needed to be and so forth. So that's where that ends of the earth uh, is that business comes from and he says listen to my prayer hear my cry i call to you i call as my heart grows faint and he is feeling the you know the separation from god um it always hits me hard going through the gospels when jesus on the cross cries my god my God, why have you forsaken me? For one, for one reason, Jesus hung out with his father all the time. And another, another thing is that the, uh, I, I don't think God left him because God is everywhere present. But he sensed that separation that sin caused this is part of the deal that he did not want to drink that cup that I speak about so often in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, that's where he prayed, Father, if it's possible, uh, let's rethink this. I don't want to drink this cup. <clears throat> and then he says, wait, wait, not my will, yours. You know that I believe that that took those three statements of <clears throat> that are recorded so quickly there in that chapter. I think that probably took two or three hours. For him to what we in Pentecost used to call praying through. He prayed through 
his resistance to the will of God. He was about to have to do something he hadn't done before, and that was be identified with sin. He'd never been there, never had sinned. This is not what he did. This is not where he lived. This was not the lack of relationship with his father. And he was about to take into himself our sins. And so he, he, there was a big pushback in him from that uh, that he was about to do. And part of that taking our sins into himself was that he is going to have to feel the separation because he suffered everything, the Scripture says, that we suffered and did not do any sin of his own. No sin, no sin. And so whether God forsake the fathers forsook him or not, uh, I suppose we could debate that. Uh, you know what I think, and that and a few dollars will get you a pretty decent cup of coffee somewhere, or you could just take the money. But anyway, the, um, the separation from God is terrible, and you perhaps all, I know I have thought, Man, I have really blown it, and, and God is just done with me. You know, I'm dead. No, no sense of, of oneness, no sense of togetherness, no sense of uh, belonging to the Father. And his heart was growing faint. And so he continues his petition, and he says, Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock. Rock there means uh, a, a, it's either a rocky promontory, which can be defended very easily from, uh, against an enemy, or it can mean a tower that is man-made but is very defensible when an enemy comes against it and people can find safety in the tower and the larger and especially the higher the tower, the better. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I, I, want, I want a tall tower. I want a, I want a big rock. I need, I need help here. So he's crying out. I know that we are very, very humble people. You knew that about yourself, didn't you? I mean... You can always tell when we're humble because we tell people how humble we are. That, and you've heard me talk about how humble I am, and I learned that from you. I, no. Uh, we need help, okay? And when we humble ourselves, help comes. We need something that is higher than we are and glory to God, there is a tower that God has given to us. It is his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, and he just wraps his arm around us and says, come in here. And the, the beginning of the affirmation and this is when you first feel far from God, there, there will be then something that we can do. Because if you just talk about your troubles all the time to yourself and to God, and that's all you ever do, you will tend to become depressed. If you're not a depressive, you will get discouraged. 
And if, you're, if you tend toward depression, you might become clinically depressed, which is a serious condition. So there is something that we need to do in the face of this, and that is we begin to affirm what we have experienced. Years ago, I, I began to understand the power. I think I, it got very, very clear in my mind. I had been teaching that for years, but I was taking a course from the good doctor, uh, Dick Dobbins. And, and I shared that model with you back when we used to use overheads of the brain. And the top portion is for cognition. And, and then somewhere in the brain, uh, and in that model, we just draw it lower than the uh, upper lobes of the brain is the unconscious mind, and it does not have sensory input. All of the five senses, uh, the impulses and input come into the cognitive part so that the unconscious mind receives uh, thoughts as reality. And if, if you get slapped by your wife like you deserve. No, I'm sorry. Don't do that, girls. That's not nice. If, if, you, if you have some trauma come to you, that will certainly get into your unconscious mind, but it will go through the cognitive portion of your brain, we were taught in that class. And it is interesting that it is out of this unconscious part that we tend to get our emotional response to life. Pay close attention here. This is very important to you. So that when the scripture says, if there is one good thing, good report, truth, anything good, think about these things. Remember that scripture, Philippians 4? Think about these things because if you think about it, it becomes reality to your unconscious mind, it doesn't have to happen to you again. Just remember the good thing. And your unconscious mind thinks that you're being blessed every day of the world. It was out of that understanding that I developed back when we used physical little tapes to record things that if I, I said, if God ever speaks to you, ever blesses you, if you ever, the scripture ever comes alive, the word of the Lord ever comes in your heart. Remember that. Play that tape over and over again. Now we would say play that file or whatever the right terminology is. Remember it repeatedly at least once a day. And uh, if you follow that, then you see that your conscious mind is experiencing this thought again, and your unconscious mind thinks that God is speaking to you again. And so more and more and more over time, your unconscious mind is trained to kick up this pleasurable feeling about God because he just loves on you every day of the world. You follow that? So... Let's read it. Let's read it again. You have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. 
do it. Just do it. Here is, here is the uh, word tower rather than uh, rock, as in verse 2. Uh, a, this strong tower, the foes were attacking, and I was safe. And I could get up on top of my tower and chunk rocks over on the enemy and be in very little danger because they did not have weapons that were good from way down below, up that high, and so forth. So this is a, this is a great picture. You have been my refuge. Play those files over, whatever we want to call them. You've got it digitized. You're carrying it on your little flash drive. Stick it in and play it at least once a day. There are certain things that I go through in my mind sometimes several times a day. And I, I feel when I start that, I feel my face relax and a little tiny smile happens to my face every time I do it. It's, it's wonderful because it's, it's when God is doing stuff and it relaxes me. It makes me what I ought to be, at least more what I ought to be. And we've experienced this from God. Play those over. I, I remember one time a few years ago, uh, West Bell was, was uh, leading our youth, and there was a couple of our, of our teenage guys came over to their house late, 11, 11.30 at night, and, and they, they were kind of depressed, you know, and they didn't know what was wrong with them. They were kind of griping around. And, and so Wes began to dig into what, where they'd been. Well, they'd been to this spooky show, spent all evening taking this in, and they just felt rotten, but they couldn't figure it out. Duh. And both of those guys actually are a lot brighter than that. I, <laughs> they weren't acting very bright, but that's, they are. Fortunately, because that's pretty dumb. I'd hate for them to have to carry that load. So remember the good stuff. You have been. And then let your expression of longing to know God be said. I long to dwell in your tent forever. I want to take refuge under the shelter of your wings there is so much in the Psalms about this kind of comfort and this kind of shelter. And there's, there's been illustrations since when I was a little tiny kid, and that was day before yesterday, actually, or two or three days before yesterday. Um, I remember hearing about uh, this mother hen and a, a fire had swept through the barnyard and burned everything up. And she was, she was seen just, her, her little charred remains were still upright. And, and the farmer was going through surveying the damage, and he just kicked the carcass, you know, in kind of disgust. And all the baby chicks were safe under the shelter of that hen cost her her life, but they were in good shape. There are so many stories like that through the years. I could, there are several others that come to mind, but you've heard them almost as long as I have. And, but they're, they are true about our relationship with God, and it is incredible that God 
would come to people like you and me and bring us into the protection of himself. Incidentally, of course, the picture from that that little illustration is so poignant. The mother hen in that picture is Jesus Christ, and he had to die so that we could be okay. And that alone is just like, play that tape all you want to. I'm sorry, I, I had a throwback there. Play that file <laughs> all you want to because it is so true, and it is the foundation of everything good that comes to us. And when we do this, when we affirm this, part of our affirmation is, um, you've heard my vows. You've heard me say, God, I belong to you and I want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I believe that all things that work together uh, can work together for good in my heart because I'm called and, and uh, I love you. And I want this more of Jesus Christ. All of these vows, all of these prayers, God has heard. And, he's, and, and the psalm says, you've heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You know what the heritage of people who fear the name of the Lord is? Look at Jesus. That's the heritage. Though they killed him, he rose from the dead. That's the heritage. Life with a capital L here so that we can, we can enjoy God and enjoy doing his work. And then eternal life in heaven. And it is, it is so great that God is, is like this. This is our heritage. Can you believe that God looks at us and pulls us into his circle and makes us his very own kids, co-heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ of the glories of God? We don't have a clue what that means, really. Uh, we talk about heaven uh, the little book, uh, Heaven is for Real, is, is being made a movie, and next month uh, it's, it's going to be released on Easter, I believe, if I remember the announcement when I heard it. But um, it's, going, it's going to be, we, we're talking about heaven. We all, the church always talks about heaven when it gets under a little pressure, more than it does when we're not under pressure. And so we're talking about heaven more than we used to. And um, that's not a bad thing because there is a blessed hope. It's called the rapture of the church. And that's been used, by the way, to scare the tar out of us. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. Boy, you don't want to be in that picture show when the Lord comes. That kind of thing. Scare you to death. Didn't keep you from going to the show, but made you made you feel really badly about being there. And and I had to have a healing from my fear of the rapture. Not that because I went to a show, because I just knew 
that I needed to be better than I was, and I wasn't that good. And I was in the, I was in the pastorate probably close to 10 years in the pastorate before the Lord healed me of a morbid fear of the rapture. By the way, that's, that's one of those uh, files that I play every day of the world. I remember where I was and what I was doing when the Lord assured me that I, I made it. Now, that, that's not predestination or anything like that. Don't, don't misread that. That was a healing to my heart. He healed my heart with a word just like that. So that, and you hear my, my little thing, if, we, if we're missing somebody, I may be heard to say, well, it's not the rapture because I'm still here. Boy, I didn't used to, I didn't used to know that. That was not a part of my experience. So God will heal that stuff, and he does that sort of thing. It's really a lot of fun to watch, more fun to experience. The second thing that you need to do when you feel far from God is you need to pray. <laughs> that's that's uh, astute, isn't it? Um, now, David is... is if, if this is a psalm of David, um, and I think there's some question about whether or not he actually wrote it, but it really doesn't matter because uh, it is inspired, and the Scripture makes that very clear that this is inspired. And I don't think you have to, the, the part up by Psalm 61 that says, for the director of music with stringed instruments of David, I don't think you have to count that as inspired Scripture, okay? But the Scripture is Scripture. And here is the cry, increase the days of the king's life, his years, for many generations. Here is, if indeed this was written by David, he is praying for himself, does that sound selfish? Well, if we don't understand the kingdom of God, it, it can sound selfish because, you know, bless God, I'm, I'm just nothing. I'm going to pray for everybody else, and I'm not going to pray for me. How are you going to be a blessing to other people if you're not being blessed? We bless out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit that flows out of our innermost being, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, Jesus prophesied. So how do we do that unless we are blessed? So get over the business of, of the pseudo-humility that says, oh, I couldn't pray for myself. You better pray for yourself. You need it more than anybody I know. And I don't mean that as smart as it sounded. We need to be blessed so we can bless. Get blessed so that when you come up and say, God bless you, Pastor. I'm praying for you that I'll just be blessed right then. Get full of it. And, and not it, but the blessing of God. Get full of it so that you, you can be a blessing. And so don't ever hesitate to pray for yourself. I, I, my line to you is, I pray for you like I pray for me. And I pray well for me. I try to cover all the bases. I want everything 
to come under the, the will of God and the plan of God, the scripture revealed. I want this guy to be under that, and I pray the same thing for you after I pray for me. And that's appropriate. It's just like on the airplane, they tell you, uh, you've heard it a jillion times if you've flown any, if you're traveling with a small child and the pressure in the cabin fails, these oxygen masks will drop down from overhead compartments. Put your own on first and then your child. Because you could be fiddling around with this, not even able to finish it and pass out from oxygen starvation. So take, get, don't, don't get oxygen starved, okay? Get the Spirit of God, get full of it. And David is praying here, you've heard my vows. And then he says, increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. That uh, uh, is interesting. Let, I, I want you to see how this intensifies. Uh, increase the days of the king's life. And then years and then generations. <laughs> you know, he's just cranking his prayer up. It's going up. It's becoming more intense. Um, may this king be blessed. And if he's praying for himself, it's totally appropriate. Uh, then verse seven says, may he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. This is the relationship of God in prayer. I got a word from the Lord the other day. Uh, Jeff Wilkie challenged the guys last Tuesday night to, to listen to these impressions that we call the voice of the Lord. Now, if you're not familiar with this sort of thing, we do not hear voices, but there are thoughts that seem to be distinct from our regular run-of-the-mill uh, brainwash, you know, whatever, that we say the Lord said, the Lord spoke to me or whatever. So that's one of those. And uh, you've heard me teach about Jesus praying, and it's kind of indefinite. What, why did he have to pray so much? I mean, he, he was without sin. He was the Son of God, after he got up mature, he knew who he was as, as God's Son as well as human. And so what is this deal about spending all night in prayer? And I think I know. I think the Lord showed me this. There is this constant battle and pushback from the world that comes against us. And though he never sinned, he was hammered with this stuff all the time. Being truly human, there were three things that caused that were, that were primary emotions that would cause the secondary emotion anger. Uh, it would be fear. They tried to intimidate him, and uh, and then rejection, and uh, those kinds of things. And frustration, then, is another one, is the third one. And this, he, he had that stuff, especially those second two there. He should have been mad as everything 
all the time because there was this little uh, contingent of mostly Pharisees, but sometimes there were some Herodians and sometimes there were some Sadducees in this group that followed him around. And I, it was like they, they used him as a, as a relay baton and this bunch would go out this far from this village and hand him off to the next bunch from the synagogue over here so that they hung on every word and they picked at everything he did. And especially if he did some good on the Sabbath, they just laid 14 eggs. They hated it. Don't you help anybody. Don't you be good on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is holy. And it's like, oh, my goodness, how did he not turn around and kill him? You know, John, the beloved, is, is thought of by many people as being very gentle in his spirit and so forth. I don't know what you think about him, but I had that for a while, and I began to study. This guy had a temper. You remember that Samaritan village that they were going through going to Jerusalem, and they, they would not extend hospitality to them? And John said to Jesus, and, and with his brother, actually, the two of them, do you want us to call down fire on them from heaven? And they were hoping he would say yes. Let's just toast them. Let's just toast them. And Jesus said, you don't know where that spirit is from. You need to back down south somewhere, they would say, he would have said, you need to get shed of that. That is not what you need. And that's, now I identify with John. That's, that's would have been my feeling. I hope that I would not have toasted them, okay, if I'd had the power. But Jesus was under much more pressure than that almost all day, every day. And there were times when he was angry. There's one time when when he was on the Sabbath and they were, they were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And so the, he had this person with the affliction stand before him and he looked around at them in anger. It's, it says that one time. And it, it, of course, he could have been angry many, many times that it was not recorded. But he never did toast them. He went ahead and just healed the sick person. And that is so great. Now... You see, so I think that kind of thing is why Jesus had to spend time in prayer. He had to be always affirming who he is, who he is this moment, who he is in this earth, why he is in this earth, what his, go- his, his uh, goals, his obligations, his plans, the projected ministry that he's supposed to fulfill. All of that had to be reemphasized all the time. And... I think that's why he had to pray all the time is so that he could stay close to the Father. One thing that underscores that and makes me believe this is correct is that uh, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and the, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, the voice spoke from heaven, you are my son. And there was, there was a another message given there, but that was, that was the foundation of that thing. You are my son. So he goes from there into the wilderness where he fasts and is tempted by the devil. We, we read about the temptation at the end of the time, but it says he was tempted of the devil 
for these 40 days. So I don't, we don't know what all went on. But at the end of this time, Jesus was, uh, his, shirt, his blood sugar was really, really low, and he was hungry. And Satan just came and confronted him nose to nose, and you notice what he says in those temptations, if you are the Son of God. Turn stones into bread, jump off the temple. If you are, you see, the Father meets our needs before time, and then if we keep that right up in our face, and I think that's much of what Jesus' prayer was, was keeping in his face that which God had done and had said. He said, you are my son. And Satan said, if you are the son of God. So that's who we are, you see. And you know, when you go through your day, it is not really rare that you have this sense of, oh my goodness, if this is the way a Christian lives, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian. You know, it's like we're not proud of the day or we're not proud of the moment. Um, It doesn't have to be at the end of the day. It can be early in the day that that happens to us. Well, here's the thing. I want us to be so full of the Spirit of God in and do it in prayer that we will be like David and have this relationship with God. Because verse 7 is this, may he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Talking about David, may, may the king be enthroned in God's presence forever. You see, God's presence, the relationship with God, is the answer to this prayer that he is praying here. And then... Let us, let us look at verse 8. Then I will ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Sing praise to your name says to me worship. Worship is, is so very central to our, to our life in, in God. And it, if we're going to be successful walking in this life, we are going to have to be worshipers. Including worship with song. When, when this team stands up here to lead us, get on board. <laughs> Amen. Get on board. Do it now. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't understand the relationship with I don't feel like it and what I just said. Well, can I, is it real worship if I feel badly? Give praise to God. Don't plead how wonderful you feel. Plead the glories of God. If, if you are caught in that trap where you can't, and let's don't say can't, where you refuse to worship because you feel badly, stop that relationship with God that's terrible and move on into him as his kid. And if you are sick as a horse, however sick that may be, you can still praise God. I remember when I was learning to praise God all the time and praise Him for everything, and one day I got the flu. And I was lying on this couch in the den with a headache and the sore skin. You know, it was just the old flu, just plain old body aches, fever, just wonderful. I want all my enemies to have it. No, no, that's not good, not good. 
and I thought, the thought came to me, can you worship God with the flu? So I started praising the Lord. And you can. You can do it. Just do it. Worship is so very, very important. And then uh, you saw that I went from the singing part that, that we do in an organized fashion here at the church to every, everywhere in your life. Everywhere in your life. Let your life be a worship. May God be hallowed in my life. I pray this for you and me. Hallowed be the name of God in my life, not only in the whole earth, but in my life as a little earth so that everywhere I go. And then I pray that for you. Today, I pray it for today. May your name be hallowed. And it's, it's a great way to see us worshiping. Now, ever, I will ever sing praise. Uh, and, and in some, it, the actual word I'm told is forever, but it has, this is probably a better translation because that forever means an, an ongoing uh, process so that I will be continually singing praise to your name and I will fulfill my vows day after day. Now, fulfill my vows day after day can, can be translated by me anyway like this. We're going to make it. I'm going to praise you all day, every day, and I'm going to keep my mind on my business with you, which you could put in parenthesis over here. And if I blow it, I am going to call it what it is, turn from it, get God's mercy on me and all of that stuff so that I don't have to deal with that again. And we're going to make it just keep on, we used to say, keeping on. Now, this is not rocket science, church, but I want you to be encouraged because there's some of you have been taking some hammer hits. And some things in your life you feel like, uh, worship team, would you come back up? And I'd like for us to sing the chorus of that last song, uh, Glorious. Is that what we did last? Is that the one I want? Yeah, I think that's the chorus I want. And... Uh, I would I would like uh, I would like us to understand that the Lord intends for us to overcome these times of being hammered. I could name off the stuff that you're suffering from, some of you, uh, and just generically. It could be a job or lack thereof, financial issues. The marriage uh, is always a place where the enemy can get to us if he can get to us, if we allow it, either either partner. And, and the parenting business, especially if the kids are not walking with Jesus. And it just kills us. And there are so many other places that the, we can get into trouble in our life. Let me tell you, don't give up. When you get discouraged, go read this psalm and just go through it step by step by step. He will build you up. He will build you up. This is what he does. He loves it. He loves you. 
And listen, if you're not in trouble today, soon you will be. That's the nature of life. Sin has created enough pressure in our culture. And I, I look at the, the way some of the things in our country are, and it's like, <laughs> well, if we were doing well otherwise, the country in this area or that area is in real trouble and so forth. You know what I'm talking about. Um, don't, don't fasten yourself to that stuff. Don't look at that. And, and you have to look at it. I don't mean don't look at it. Don't deny it. That's really neurotic. But look at it, say, whoa, that's bad. That's worse than I thought it was going to be. And then look to the Lord. And I like to look to the Lord and just say, Lord, is this stuff bigger than you? Which is kind of a stupid question. But it makes me get real in the spirit world. Let's stand, please. If you have something that you, you're just dealing with and you need some help from the Lord today, before we go, I would like for us to have a prayer together. And if you would just step out and come down uh, front here, kind of crowd up close to the steps, and we're going to pray together and ask God to help you refocus, sharpen your focus, and let's... Uh, let's be strong in the Lord. We are going to make it. He says, Then I will sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. It works, is what he's saying. I'm going to do it. And if you need prayer, just come on down and as the, as the team leads us.